you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Newton runs, left side, makes a cut at the 10. Newton takes it all the way. Touchdown, Carolina. Wentz in the pocket. Wentz throws, in strike. Nelson Aguilar the catch. Aguilar is gone. Touchdown. Wentz is the real deal. Newton steps up, hooks a pass, intercepted! Jalen Mills with the pick. Mills will go down at the 16. Cam Newton gives it away in a critical moment. Carolina trying to keep the drive alive on a fourth and one from the 48. Shotgun. Newton throws over the middle. It's hauled in by McCaffrey. The Eagles claim it's incomplete. And the officials agree. The Philadelphia Eagles got two big stops late in the fourth quarter, and Carson Wentz was at it again, throwing three touchdown passes as the Philadelphia Eagles went into Charlotte and came out with a 28-23 win over the Carolina Panthers, uh, further entrenching the Eagles atop the NFC East and atop the mind of Greg Rosenthal. Dan Hans is here, the Around the NFL podcast. We're going to get to the rest of the boys in a few minutes, but let's start with this game, Greg. You have been uh, in on the Eagles going back to the summer. You you believe that they had a chance to put it all together, and tonight really showed that this team might really have the stuff. Yeah, really going back to about 2012 when we started the podcast. Yeah. Finally this season, <laughs> it's coming through, and there, there's so many places to go with this game, I feel like. It was really interesting. Two good teams, a lot going on. But I think the defining factor was the Eagles' defensive line and the Eagles' defense in general was the best group in this game. I just looked on Pro Football Focus. They say they hurried Cam Newton 25 times. I've, I've never seen a number wow. that high. Ten, 10 quarterback hits, 10 passes defense, too. So they're getting their hands on the ball, just very active. They were on the field for almost 80 plays, asked to make a lot of stops in the fourth quarter. And whether it's Brandon Graham or Nigel Bradham, who had a huge night. Nigel Bradham. Fletcher Cox, who really forced one of those interceptions. They were stopping the run cold, or the Panthers. 
that to me was kind of the group that stood out the most and was the difference. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Fletcher Cox went from being a guy who didn't know if he was going to play before the game to doing his Fletcher Cox thing, which is pushing the pocket and making plays. Cam Newton never got comfortable. And very t- a tough situation for Cam, who this and at certain points of the game, he was again reminding you of 2015 Cam. At other points, he was reminding you of the worst parts of Cam. I thought he was a little careless with the football today. He ended up with three interceptions. Really, uh, one of them definitely wasn't his fault. Uh, uh, his running back did not help him out. But he was sloppy. could have easily thrown a couple couple of more picks. And he was the running game, too, because the, the Panthers – uh, it's a problem. Have a major issue in the backfield. They obviously don't trust Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey at this point to be somebody that's running between tackles. James Stewart's not getting the job done. What do they do back there? It. I don't know. I mean, they need to figure it out because what did they have zero yards from their running backs last week, and I think they had one yard this week. That's a problem. They're, they are literally, they're literally negative, I believe, over the last two weeks. So that that's a huge problem for them. And Cam was very erratic in this game. Had some great moments, but also made some poor decisions. The way they ended that first half was bad. He took a bad sack, and then Ron Rivera decided not to kick a field goal. And then the last two drives of the game, he had two chances to win. And the first one ends in an interception that had two ugly throws before that. And the second one ends on a on a fourth and one bad throw. It, it was a disappointing ending for Cam. For what's been, you know, we had been talking about that he'd been on fire, and really the Eagles just stopped that. So he came down to earth a little bit here after being scorching hot the last couple of weeks. The other big uh, concern, if you're uh, Carolina Panthers or their fans, is Luke Keekley, the linebacker who, of course, has had concussion issues. Now he has another one he was diagnosed with, so that's three in three years. The last one that also happened in primetime last year was very scary with him crying as he was getting carted off. Nothing quite dram- that dramatic this time, but this is a brain injury, and you don't know how much uh, time he could miss, if any, so that's another layer of consternation for the Carolina Panthers. That that hangs over this game. That's really the biggest story coming out of it because this is a Hall of Fame caliber player who spoke openly in the offseason, and I thought it was interesting how he addressed the concussion issues that I think he's someone that's going to think long and hard about his future after football if these keep piling up, and I don't know if that that thought process starts now. Who knows? It's yeah. too early to guess. But he he made some comments that that made it sound like he's not going to be the guy that keeps playing through ten, you know, a concussion year after year after year. It's going to be uh, a tough time for Keekly and the Panthers. That would be a, a shame. He's one of the very best players in the league. But you would absolutely understand it if he ends up going down that road. We don't want to jump to conclusions, but obviously a tough thing to see. And finally, my other big takeaway, and I referenced it at the very top, but. God, I like Carson Wentz. Yeah. He is a very, very, very good quarterback right now, and he's bordering on great. And that, Mm -hmm. if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be feeling good. How tough he is, the way he hangs in the pocket, steps up. I loved when he – although you don't like seeing him take the shot to his throwing shoulder, (laughs) he took on uh, somebody at safety. It it was Mike Adams. He was running him over. Adams was going backwards. If the reserves didn't come in, K1 short, that guy was getting trucked and was going to be on SportsCenter posterized. There aren't a lot of – there aren't a lot of quarterbacks to do that it's almost it was it was farvian like this guy just likes coming out on the playground and throwing around his weight 
He's so fun. He's so fun. Is that what he said? I don't remember anymore. I don't know. Yeah. He is so fun to watch. He, him and Cam are two of my very favorite players to watch, which is why I was so excited about this matchup. And today, Wentz was definitely the better of the two. And it was really one drive that, that stood out, the touchdown drive in the second half, which started with a third and 16 play, which I think showed a lot of what's great about Wentz. He, uh, the pressure was coming from the side. He stepped up, oh. and then he still waited until the last second Ended up taking a hit to deliver a nice pass over the middle. And it was a pass that went right over the defensive lineman's head in front of him. And I was thinking, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson aren't making that throw. Because you got to be 6'5". got to be a big guy and strong to make that throw. And he delivered it and then had a great rest of the drive to score a touchdown. So I know Eagles Nation, they, you know, very passionate bunch, have never won a Super Bowl. Um uh, but you're feeling good right now. Connie Fox was, was smelling a, uh, what was it? She, Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl. Yeah, I reached out to her privately on text to see where she was on that. She she seemed to be, it was in jest a little bit, but let's be honest, Eagles fans, they're all in on this team, as they deserve to be. Uh, so a very nice win for Philadelphia, and we have more games to get to, so let's kick off the rest of the show. The Around the NFL podcast is for the children. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, teaming even Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. Hi, Wes. Good to be back. Yes. Is, is this the second uh, show of the week for Wes? <laughs> That's it progress. Is. Yeah. That's progress towards the goal of a full-time wrestling, but we're going to be patient, <laughs> knowing that one day it will come. But two shows, that's pretty saucy. I like it. In like five months, I'll be doing 16 shows a week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yes, this is the Around the NFL podcast uh, presented by Head & Shoulders. This is our week six preview podcast. You just heard the first game of the week, of course. The Eagles and Panthers played uh, in Charlotte, uh, but a lot more to get to. Another uh, another bye week for four teams, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Dallas, and Seattle, all on bye. Uh, but uh, I think a good place to start uh, before we get into the games is on one of those teams with a bye, the Dallas Cowboys, because one of their most important players, once again, his playing status in doubt, a federal appeals court uh, lifted an injunction that had blocked Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension, uh, and that now paves the way for uh, the NFL's punishment uh, of the running back tied into the domestic violence allegations uh, to go into effect, which means a six-game ban that could start, uh, Greg, as soon as uh, the week after the Cowboys buy in week seven. That's what it's expected to at this point, but the story with Ezekiel Elliott is not over. It feels like ever in terms of the legal situation. We meaning NFL network had Gabe Feldman too late. Gabe's grad, back, baby. Legal analyst. Uh, and he said, it's a game party. He said, essentially there could be another legal maneuver that would hold off the suspension again, potentially even before the next game. So even though this, this feels like big news and maybe it does stick this time. We don't know. We're, we're not lawyers. What my question no, is? Even lawyers don't know. And anyone that's oh, what about my fantasy team? Who is going to be the running back if this guy does disappear for six games, which is now uh, very possible? Chris Wessling. Good luck figuring it out. Yeah. Michael Fabiano tweeted, "Everybody, go pick up Alfred Morris. Rush to your waiver wire." I- I'm not so sure that Alfred Morris will play over Darren McFadden. He's higher on the depth chart now, but 
in the past, McFadden's always played. Keith Smith's it, been getting snaps throughout this process too. They, they could they could split none of those. Right? Why would there necessarily have to be a lead back in that situation? I mean, it can it, only it, be one, and he will get all the carries. Okay, Mark. that's news to me. I mean, yeah. if if it does stick. Here's what happens. They don't have Ezekiel Elliott for the 49ers, a road game. The Redskins on the road at home against the Chiefs, at Atlanta, at home against Philadelphia, and the Chargers game the week after. And now let's let's take it back a little deeper. And uh, we'll now, of course, throw it to Mark Sessler. Uh, Zeke Elliott's legal recourse. What can he do specifically? What are some loopholes or some backdoors, ways that he can get out of this? What is the next step for his camp? If I could answer that, as Gabe <laughs> Feldman potentially can, I would be adding a couple zeros onto my measly income. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. It, it really highlights, though, that the fact they've started two and three with Ezekiel Elliott it's only going to get harder from here. They didn't. If if they are without him, I mean, they start to look a little more in real danger of missing the playoffs. That having that type of season, yeah, it's a if they weren't already. It's a disaster. I mean, let's face it. They he he fought it because he he believes that he he was unjustly suspended, and you can't get on him about that. He's trying to use all everything he can in his power to avoid the suspension. But from a pure team standpoint, when you lose three or first five games. If he disappears now, yeah, what does he come back to if they continue to struggle? We'll have to follow, find out, and who knows? Maybe he will play in two weeks. We don't know. Mark knows, but he's not giving us any of the... I, I need to be tapped for more cash to provide You did work for a law firm once, didn't you? That is Chris Wessling. I absolutely did not. For nine years. <laughs> I got my 43-year-old wife too. I thought, I thought one of... I Why thought, would a law firm hire me to do... What would I, I have ever done your, for a law firm? One of your like, weird, like... One of your weird. You did work at like Ernst and Young or Deloitte. That's, Deloitte that's, 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 that's a proposal writer. That's not a law firm. What is that? It's a. It's a accounting, accounting firm, firm where you like try to you know wrangle clients. I propose. Like, I'd write. The, I, no, everyone. I'd be on these phone calls with like eighty angry you'd be like, you know, yeah, you'd accountant be like, types telling me you know how to write some proposal. I don't know. Yes, Ernst. Yes, yes, Ernst. <laughs> no, I'll it was do not it right Ernst now, and Ernst. Young, by the way. <laughs> yes, Mr. Deloitte. All right, and, and that's concludes that's our breakdown of the Zeke Elliott case. Um, all right, so we're going to start getting into these games now. Before we do that, I just want to say a formal hello. Um, if you have been tracking on Twitter, you knew that this was coming, but uh, uh, we have a new full-time producer behind the glass, and uh, Erica Tamposi has done a tremendous job and she'll continue to be involved with the show. Uh, she's very talented on the video side and has done a great job behind the mic and on, on the sound drop board and everything. And the Pick'em Show. And the Pick'em Show. She's killing it. Uh, but now uh, we have a new person behind the glass. She is Lindsay Fulton. Uh, she doesn't have a nickname yet. Mrs. F. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Ms. F. Who knows? I was going to say, don't I have to be married to be a Mrs.? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll work all that out. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll find you a husband on the show. Everything is possible right now. Lindsay Fulton is the newest member of the Around the NFL podcast, Behind the Glass. Lindsay, welcome. Uh, Say hello to the audience and tell us where where you came from. Thanks for the big, warm welcome. I came from Cleveland. I moved here just about a week ago. Big, huge adjustment, but the biggest adjustment for me so far is dealing with a newsroom filled with Yankees fans after the Indians <laughs> just lost in the AL. Yeah, that was enjoyable uh, uh, for me. You, not not as much. And so much. and you have, um, ah, hell, let's get into it real quick here. You know, when we first met with you and talked about the position, uh, we asked, you know, we knew you're from Ohio. Ohio. I was like, are you a Browns fan? You said, no, but you do have a Brown story involving your old man. 
and Bill Belichick, of all people. You want to share that one for the audience? I mean, I guess if I have to explain why I'm not a huge Browns fan, also why I especially hate the Patriots, it's because my dad used to be an engineer for the Browns, so he helped, Go on. helped them get, get everything on, on the air. And there's even a time where he got struck by lightning, but we'll talk about that in, in and a And lived. Save that for the it. natural disasters, pod. Exactly. Yes. So my dad worked for the Browns radio network, and right before they moved, uh, it was their final game of the season. Christmas Eve, and my dad ran into Bill Belichick, and he said, well, what do you do here? He said, well, I'm your radio engineer. I help get your, your games on the air on the radio side. And he said, well, we don't need you anymore. You're fired. On well, Christmas Eve of all day. Belichick what? himself. Yes. Belichick is Scrooge. <laughs> Greg, answer, answer to that, Greg. This is a tricky one. <laughs> How do you feel now? Doesn't that, there's any kind of, I didn't think his hands were that much in right, the I didn't. Right, I didn't know all these details. So wait, if they didn't run into each other in the hall, would it, he have kept his job? <laughs> the Ravens would have never. Well, the, the ruling he was, was coming. Walking around. I think just... it was on the plane. Okay. Okay. So, I, I mean, so do you feel because you know, as an anti-Browns person, have they suffered enough, and has the team and the fan base suffered enough to right the wrong that was done to your family line? I'm not a, an anti-Browns person, but I never became a Browns fan when they came back. Right. Because of that. that makes so sense. I'm not anti-Browns. So you probably avoided a lot of trouble. I want them to win. I want yeah. them to do well. But let's be honest, it's not happening anytime soon. So save myself the misery and just kind of watch from afar. And I, like I will say interacting with her because yeah. you think that I am negative about the Browns at times. She's got it going on when it comes to the <laughs> negative takes on the Cleveland Browns. It's, the, there's, no, there's no foot off the pedal there. I never <laughs> saw them win. I mean, I remember when I was really young listening to the Bernie Bernie song. That was great, you know, back in the Bernie era. But Lost in the weeds there. Yeah. There's a Bernie Bernie Bernie, Bernie, oh, how you can throw now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, beta, yeah. it's this, a great song. Great this song. has so much podcast potential. Yeah, this is. Yeah, what we need. By the way, she lived in Berea. It wasn't just. I own a house in Berea. In Berea. To this wow. Day. I mean, it's a good point. I've often thought, you know what? This podcast needs more Browns content. <laughs> no, <laughs> right, I was Greg. thinking we're, we're going from a producer who it might be the most vocal person on Twitter in, during a Patriots game on the positive side, and now replaced by a Patriots loather. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Very. You, are you neighbors with Mike Pettin by any chance? No, but I know where he lived because my nephew went trick-or-treating in his house. He's, mm. Yeah, exactly. Right by the complex. I've got. I know. We all know the story about Mike. Like, I could see the complex. By the way, like eight coaches in a row have lived in that little <laughs> complex. So they probably all lived in the same house, and it's probably built on an Indian burial ground. Well, oh, oh. Look, look, look. just saying. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. You're going to what a natural, Lindsay. Um, all right, let's get to the games. Enough uh, dilly dallying. Uh, let's dig right in and let's start today, guys, uh, with the. Miami Dolphins heading to Atlanta to face the Falcons. Mark, uh, this is a game uh, featuring a Dolphins team that has no idea how to move the football on offense. The Jay Cutler experiment, we could be seeing the end of it. As, as soon as Sunday, it could be all over. Against the Falcons, who are coming off a bye and have not quite been themselves on offense, at least when measured against how excellent they were a year ago. I'm not worried about the Falcons, especially with the way their two running backs are playing. I think they'll be fine. The Dolphins, watching that game again, <laughs> Jay Cutler, and Wes, you pointed this out and you pointed out many times. Jay Cutler, though, I think is at an all-time low in terms of just, to me, looking completely out of his element. Oh, it's not even close. It's, it's unbelievable, and I, I couldn't agree more that this has to be... I understand the, the loyalties between... Adam Gase and Cutler and the fact that he you know, pulled Cutler out of the announcer's booth to do this. But this is a better team with more 
at the quarterback position. I would I would actually just turn this into the Jaguars on offense. Bring in more, run the ball as much as you can, and you've got a good defense to go along with it. You can still save your season potentially. Entering the fourth quarter of last week's game, Jay Cutler had thrown the ball 19 times for 33 yards. That is incredible. And it looked that way. And it's, and it's been like that for weeks. Yeah, I don't think this Jay Cutler and this Dolphins offense has been anything we've seen in the Jay Cutler career to this degree. I mean, he right now is really the, wor- the worst offense and the worst passing game in the NFL. I mean, he. I, I don't know what would be worse right now. I guess Mac, if Matt Castle's starting, that's worse. That's the Dolphins it. rank 32nd and last in drive success rate, my favorite uh, football outsiders metric. Right, and it and this is a slightly different metric, and maybe I could pull that up, but you mentioned the Falcons' offense struggling, and I and with the eye test, it doesn't seem like they're struggling. And then when you look at the numbers, they actually are leading the league in offensive yards per drive by, by a few yards, and they're leading the NFL in net yards per drive, which is basically they, they gain more yards than they give up per drive. So they haven't had the ball enough. That's, that's part of the problem. But they are moving the ball better than any team in the league, and I think that, that augurs well for the future. Augurs. Nice. Augurs. <laughs> I would auger. The source. I would auger in a big spot. I literally have never heard that before. So that's awesome, buddy. Nice. Um, congratulations on that one. Uh, one more stat to really crystallize how, how poor Miami's been on offense. They've scored three touchdowns on 45 offensive drives this season, uh, and that's the fewest since the 2006 Raiders. Never a team you ought to be compared to. They went 2-14. and 14, So I think that – and remember, we're gonna, this, is, this is not fair. I'm not going to lock this one up, but you do got to lock, lock a game up. Wes, oh, it's a good reminder. welcome back. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Get your, get your thinking cap on. Um, that don't, don't blow out your voice with it, you know. One, yeah, calm down. Nice w- and easy. One but. final thought on the Dolphins. I'm watching this game in the second quarter, and the announcer says that Jay Cutler is still living alone in a hotel room. Oh, he doesn't right. know what to do with himself on his off days. <laughs> Armando Salgaro is already writing articles talking about the Dolphins' plans for over- overhauling their offense in 2018. I'm sure Cutler will rally the <laughs> you know what's yeah. crazy is this team's two and two. Like if if Matt Moore came in and played okay, I don't know. You never like they they are two and two. We were talking about them as if their season's over. And Not. I'm a Jet fan. So their season's I, over. I, I'm a Jet fan, so I'm built to hate the Dolphins. But there is a a, a, a level of you know apathy for a, a fan base in their stadium chanting, we want more. They're chanting for Matt Moore. I mean, nice little backup, but that's what it's come to. And what, to me, it's going to be a lost season. And I think a lot of people agree. Let's move on. The Chicago Bears, coming off their Monday night loss in the Mitch Trubisky uh, debut, now travel to Baltimore uh, to meet the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens at 3-2, and two, coming off that 30-17 win over the Ravens. And uh, Chris Wessling, um, what were your takeaways from the Mitch Trubisky debut on Monday? Well, bad news for you, because you're going to have to say goodbye to your one, one of your longest-running uh, sci- scientist beefs. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. I mean, Marcus Mariota's out. <laughs> He's out? What? The, the Mariota-Winston debate is over pretty much since Mariota, Mariota already won that anyway. Uh. What are you talking about? <laughs> Winston, come on. Winston's a turnover waiting to happen. We, this, this, this is over. What are you talking about? This is over. The Titans are dead to me. Mitch Trubisky is my Wait, guy. Wait, so you're giving, wow. you're giving up on Marcus Mariota two years 
in like 20 something starts because he's gotten hurt and he's been a little up and down. No, because he, the Titans fine. are dead to me for their Matt Castle and shenanigans. <laughs> so you're good. Hey, that's okay. uh, what this man said what he said, Greg. Yeah. Short leash for the West. I was a little confused by the overall structure of how you got into it because you're saying that that debate, Mark Mariota against Winston's dead, but what no, has Marcus Mariota, Mariota done to right, he's, run away with that one? I, mean, I think Wes is, you, you know, it's, he hasn't had a chance, that many chances <laughs> to stick it to Greg on air yeah. recently, so he had to get through that jab in there no, before it's continuing his It's point. a fair point. The, the three touchdowns and three interceptions this year from Mariota and, and another injury has really finally put him over the top. Well, I can't, I can't deny the injury stuff, but right, it's pretty focus. clear that he's better yeah. on the field. Let's talk about Trubisky. Why do you love Trubisky so much, Wes? Well, First of all, I see, when I watch him play, I see 1992 Brett Favre. That, Hello. And he is – it shocks me that Kyle Shanahan, who is the NFL's biggest proponent of the boot action offense, bypassed the guy who's perfect for the boot action offense. He, he, has, he has that ability to throw with arm strength into tight windows on the run as well as any young quarterback I've seen in a long time. And I love that Bears game. You, people look at the box score and say he didn't do anything. I thought he was really impressive. Well, he's not getting help from the people around him. You imagine him being plugged into an offense where you had reliable pass catching targets and a little bit more from your running backs in the game that he played, at least. What about on the Ravens side? Let's talk about the Ravens because I can't I can't figure this team out, Greg. I mean, they're three and two right now. Uh, I could see them going six or ten or ten and six. And I, you could push me in any direction and I'll go along with it. I think their defense, which has been disappointing overall, can get better. And that in this matchup, it's really going to test Trubisky and test the running backs of, for Chicago and test the protection for Chicago because Baltimore can send a lot of different looks at you. And sometimes we, we've killed, like, let's say the Raiders last week, you know, for pass protection. And a lot of times it's the running backs and the tight ends who don't know who to pick up. And this is going to be real, a big test for Trubisky and this coaching staff. And because I, I think the Ravens defense has enough to get it done pretty easily this week. And you also think watching Trubisky, the one thing I worry about is a little bit like with Jared Goff. It's like, what are we doing here for this season? Are, are, is he just getting live reps with a coaching staff and even teammates that aren't going to be there next year? To me, that's probably what's happening. So he's getting experience, but it's with a in a system that he's ultimately not going to stay. But don't you think, in the, in essence, that it, had they held on with Goff on the sideline all last year, he would have been starting from a much different place this season? It was it wasn't Maybe. an easy it year, mean, but it's they experience. should be playing him. I just it's just a strange thing to think about that that yes, he's the future, but we don't know what the the rest of the people around him will be. He, he has such defined skills that whatever coaches. Next is going to be using a rollout often, and I don't know. I don't know how Alex Collins got so good. That's well, what, before that's we what happened before we move on, Dan, Irish, Dan, Irish dancing. I think the Ravens are the kind of team they're going to go about nine and seven this season. I like Trubisky, but I'm locking this up for the Ravens. Whoa! I have a strategy with my locks. I have been pretty successful of late, and I'm sticking to my secret what strategy. Is, oh, you're not going to take share it. Take a heavy favorite. That's a great strategy. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to start doing it, doing it. By the way, I didn't create that strategy, but if I need right. to do that, I, I will. Hey, I Lindsay, it. starting next week, because Greg's been a little flippant because he's been struggling and pretending like no one's tracking, let's let's plug in on what the standings are. Uh, I think ATM lock, lock up on Twitter. He does a nice job with Very it, nice job. he or she. Uh, let's let's get on top of this. I just want to see where everybody's okay. at this this at this point in the season. Got it. 
I'm done with that. My, okay. my, my issue with the locks was if you're going to have a competition in theory that you're actually keeping track of it, yeah. now you're referencing it. A, a competition needs to have rules. Like it's not just this random thing that it was, it's kind of Wes's thing to begin with. He never understood the lock. Greg, you are nothing if then, not boundless fun. Then we, then, <laughs> then we would just take, then you just take a heavy favorite. Greg, are you, are you saying that maybe we should get rid of the segment? <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. The old Rosenthal. Um, all right, Segment moving killer. on. It, it's about honor. It's about honor thyself. If you're going to take a heavy favor, which I'm not saying Mark did here, then you have but to live did, with these that. Are, by the way, I, I mean, traditionally, I've taken I ridiculously that. underdog picks for right. the lock, and I've gotten crushed for it while everyone else is just taking, right, that's, oh, the Patriots over the Dolphins kind in of Foxborough. What, I mean. what a stretch. That's kind of what I mean, that you're, whatever your standings are are unfair because you've taken monster underdogs very uh, often. It's, I think everyone is Good point by themselves. Greg. If you take heavy underdogs, then you can mix it up and p- p- take some favorites. Just have some respect for yourself. That's all. <laughs> That's all. It's not that complicated. Nobody should be trying to get one over on anyone else. Just it's the honor system, guys. <laughs> We've been doing this like five years together. Let's just respect each other. That's all. Listeners completely wondering what's happening right now. <laughs> Moving on, the Cleveland Browns traveling to Houston to face the Texans. Um, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> yes? Greg, this, um, you know... Deshaun Watson should be on the Browns right now, let's be honest. And now they got to get it rubbed in their face. Or the Jets, but fair enough. (laughs) You know, we talked about that. I want to talk about this right now, Mark. You're trying to stay off this narrative that the Browns have not royally screwed themselves here? Not at all. I absolutely believe that narrative. But it's it's of the the list of quarterbacks they passed on, he's not even in my top three. uh, Other teams have passed on Deshaun Watson, for instance. But... The Browns two years ago traded out of the pick that became Carson Wentz. And then last year, they traded out of the pick that directly became Deshaun Watson. And they so no team. Needed a I mean, are you, are you attempting to break news no, here? No, my What's point happening? is no team. It's not like, oh, the Browns are the only team. No, the Browns are directly involved in this like no one else in the NFL. And no team, including the Jets, has had worse quarterback troubles than the Browns. So what they've done here is inexcusable, and they deserve to be held to the fire. And they deserve to be embarrassed by Deshaun Watson on Sunday, which is, I think, what's going to happen. I'm not so sure it's going to happen because, to me, the Texans are a limited team overall. Without Whitney Merciless and J.J. Watt, I, I don't know what I'm going to get out of them. They're, they have a potential for a great running game, and Deshaun Watson is Really fun to watch, but he's still very young and is going to have some bad halves. And, and he padded his stats on Sunday night. We right. can be honest about that. I mean, the thing, if I was a Browns fan, that would trouble me watching Watson, that this isn't just a, a fast start and, like, this was a really potentially great franchise quarterback that'll be around, is he's so much more talented than we heard coming out. Like, we heard he was Alex Smith-like in terms of his arm in terms of being a game manager, his arm is so underrated. He can make any throw in the books. His his deep pass is, is beautiful. I mean, it's a sexy deep ball. He's throwing it like across his body 60 yards. Like, this guy's about as talented as it gets. That's sort of my point, though, is that it's everyone. Get, you can get on the Browns all you want for passing on a million players I should have picked. No argument. But who, when the Texans took Deshaun Watson, how many of us, how many people in our newsroom were saying, Great move, great pick. You didn't even you watched the way that the Bill O'Brien and the front office sat when that trade was made. It didn't even look like they were on the same page. It felt like a desperate trade up move. No one was talking about Watson this way. He has surprised people. I mean, his development at this at this rate has been surprising. But it it's more you know what it is. It's even from like the podcast standpoint. 
They should one of these two guys they should have taken. I just you can't take them off the hook for it. They should have either had Wentz or Watson by now, but instead or Trubisky. We're, or Trubisky. I don't think we're, we're taking we're them still, off the hook though. No, it's but, just like well, you're trying to a little. I'm bit. not at all. But Dan, I mean honestly, I, I couldn't be serious. I couldn't be more downtrodden with the Cleveland and football experience right it's now. It's just annoying from a podcast scenario because we're still talking about how terrible the Browns are. And it shouldn't be the case anymore. They had their ticket to get out and they didn't take it twice. That's all. And yet they. They can put up some yards on this team. And I think with Ke- you liked what you saw out of Kevin Hogan West last week. Yeah, I, I, when we came out of training camp and Cody Kessler was behind Kevin Hogan, I was beside myself because the Kevin Hogan we saw last year had the most grotesque throwing motion in the league and maybe the most grotesque throwing hideous. motion I've ever seen. It was hideous. Look away. And then this year, he, <laughs> he puts in the work. You can tell that Hugh Jackson's done some good with him. He's fixed his throwing motion. It's very much streamlined, and he moves the offense every time he comes in. He's, I don't, a, he's a mobile quarterback, too. I'll say the, for the, the, the Cleveland should have beaten the Jets last week. They got in their own way. Yep. They outplayed the Jets, I'm not saying by a large margin, but there are little things for all the killing we want to do, and there are little things that have worked out. I think, I think the tight end, David Njoku, shows promise. Miles Garrett completely looked the part. They didn't blow that pick from what we can see after one game. There are little things. It's just way, it's happening way too slow in I today's NFL. I got Johnson's finally having the season. Duke. But it all feels kind of lost. Doesn't it all feel kind of lost in the the overall experience? It feels like uh, Hugh Jackson is the football's version of Bo Porter. I mean, and for I know you probably don't know who Bo Porter is, but there's some similarities between the Browns and the Houston Astros who brought in this analytics team. Bo Porter was their manager. And he suffered through losing seasons. They fire him. And the next coach benefits from Mm. your Miles Garrett, your Peppers, you're in Joku at a coming out party last yeah. week in Duke Johnson. And I know we're not allowed to talk about anything going that goes on in the desert or whatnot. Oh, never, know? never. And I would never would. But I'm just saying, looking at this game, the Texans to me should not be a heavy, heavy favorite against any team right now. To me, they're, they're up for grabs. I don't know if this is going to be a good team at all. They, they can lose any game. Nothing is a lock. It's a bummer, too. When you're the no, Texans. Right no J.J. Watt, no Whitney Merciless rest of the year, and it really now tests them whether they are a team to really reckon with or if they've just lost too much on that side of the ball. Uh, we'll start to find out. We'll put it this way. If they struggle with the Browns, it's a very bad sign. I think you, we all agree there. Moving on, the Green Bay Packers uh, traveling to Minnesota to face uh, the Vikings. This is a nice little matchup here, Mark Sessler, Aaron Rodgers, and the pa- Packers offense, and then that Vikings D that uh, is strong, especially at home. Great matchup. I like the fact that Green Bay, which is cl- clearly on offense, has been rounding into shape as the season's gone along. You have Aaron Jones now. I, I always like the Packers more when they can show balance and when they actually have a running game, and they do. David Bakhtiari out last week sounds like he will be back. You had Brian Bulaga last week in the lineup. You've got your tackles back. You've got a First ground game. Aaron Rodgers is playing the best he's played in a long time right now. This is a very dangerous matchup for Minnesota. That said... You got Xavier Rhodes. This defense, honestly, is is fun to watch. I think this is it's so impossible to take this rivalry serious in previous years. I do right now. I think the Vikings can hang with Green Bay in this game. It's a, it's a really good matchup, especially that Aaron Jones, who is is coming off a very impressive performance, going against what I think is the best defensive front four in the NFL. And Everson Griffin is playing like an all-pro. Daniil Hunter is John Gruden's comparing him to a young Trail Suggs. And, and Limbaugh lo- Joseph plugs that middle. body. Daniel oh yeah, body. <laughs> he claims to want that body as his own. Oh, I've been thinking about that. By the way, 
I, because I kind of got caught flat-footed with that when you guys were like, oh, yeah, I always think about like whose body I'd want in an ideal situation. And obviously, I'm no different. I'd love to have a better body. Uh, but I've, I've actually uh, narrowed it down. I, I found the exact body that I want. Okay. Okay. Lay it on us. And if you're a person of a certain age, uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And if not, you'll just have to try to picture it. Okay. It's Mark Paul Gosseler, uh, who played Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell. <laughs> what? But we're talking fall 1991. We're talking the third season. Isn't he really skinny there? We're talking the third season hmm. of like a high school of kid. Saved by the Bell. I know. <laughs> we're talking. Ben wants my body. Right around the time. <laughs> no, no. He's he had some he had some height to him. Um, and he, he had some pecs. He had some pecs. Uh, this is right around the time where he blew out his ACL when Belding walked into the locker room uh, <laughs> before the big basketball game. And then right west, he miraculously recovered from that because then the next episode they were at Malibu Sands, the summer episode, and and uh, and Zach Morris's body at that period. Not later on, like the senior year, and especially the college years, he started to get a little puffy. Um, no, not any Zach Morris. Specifically, the fall, and even hyper-specifically, September, October 1991. Mark, I mean, your, your amount of research and <laughs> you know ability to zero in on this topic is both intriguing and concerning. Well, because it is. I just wanted to make sure that I got that out there, and I wanted to give it thought. Because well, everyone, everyone was wondering, so you know, I'm glad yeah. that you... I'll raise you Brad Pitt from Fight Club, and you can have your 1992 October Zach from Save by the Bell. You don't think it's a little uh, weird... To what? want the body of a 17-year-old lifeguard? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was, I think he was probably older. You know, they, uh, they aged down in Hollywood, in Tinseltown. <laughs> but if he was a teen, well, maybe that is a little. You are attempting to bring Tinseltown back into the lexicon. <laughs> this has happened. I told, that, yeah, I told Mark that privately yesterday, that I'm bringing Tinseltown back. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> if I could look like anybody on the planet, I'd probably want to look like the Neil Hunter. <laughs> um, anyway, final thoughts about this game. Sorry. The the Vikings passing attack's been really effective with Case Keenum. He he deserves a lot of credit. Like if you look at football outsiders right now, this is the number five offense in the league and the defense is sixteen. I don't know if Keenum can totally keep it up, but I think Pat Shermer's done a really good job and that they should be taken Seriously, like he is in the top eight or nine right now in QBR in pro football focus. They've been efficient as a passing attack with Case Keenum. It's one of the more surprising things of the season signed for two million dollars. I'll tell you why I'm not taking him seriously. Because I'm locking it up. Oh, <laughs> Wes, we told you, you got to take it easy right now. Couldn't resist. I we feel need- that good about the Packers I right know. now. I love it. We want your pipes through the show. Oh, but you got it. That's a lock with authority. Did did you vault it? I didn't even hear if you vaulted it. Give me another vault. So you lock it double up vault. Back. It's basically if and then if the Vikings lose, they're out of the this division race more or less. You got to win this game at home. Yeah, let's Ooh. move on. Uh, the Lions um, are traveling to Nolens to face the Saints. Uh, a Lions team coming off a twenty-seven twenty-four loss. At home to the Panthers, a tough loss um, where they couldn't get a stop at the end of the game to get back on the field. And now they, they face uh, West the Saints, who uh, couldn't look worse in the first two weeks. But in the last two weeks, the defense has really showed up and made plays. And that is something to hang their hat on. Well, yeah, I think when you when you watch what happened last week and K1 short having his way with the Lions offensive line, you wonder... Can Cam Jordan, who's playing just about as well as any defensive lineman in the league, can he do the same thing to a Lions offensive line that, that has struggled the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, Stafford's taken six sacks last week. He took six sacks the week before. 
It's been brutal. How long can you last? And this is a team that it has pretty defined limitations. It does not go down the field. Like they, they are a condensed offense, not dissimilar to the, the Saints. They're, they're kind of similar offenses, but I trust Drew Brees to run it better. And the difference is I like the Saints in short yardage situations with Mark Ingram, whereas the, the Lions, when they were trying to pick up a third and one or a fourth and one against, against Carolina, they're getting blown back on, on the line of scrimmage and they have lightweight running backs. The Lions really shouldn't be missing Cannon Galladay as much as they have. Right. Exactly. They they do miss it. I, and it looks like he could be back for this game, which would be well, big. Maybe if Eric Ebron stopped dropping everything thrown to him, they wouldn't miss it. Can you make a play, Eric make a Ebron? Play. That's all I'm asking. Make a play. Two, who was picked, Wes? Two picks after Eric Ode- Ebron. Odell Beckham? I'm not saying that that means you need to be Odell Beckham. But can you catch a ball in the end zone? Can you convert a big first down at a big spot when you're asking Marvin Jones to be the number one guy and you got Kenny Galladay pr- praying that a rookie turns into 98 Moss? All you need is your tight end that you put so much into to make a couple plays. He's been on your radar. I, I do like for New Orleans getting no, Willie Sneed back. So many different things. Yeah, yeah. I, we, I, he's that come is, up a couple times. Right. Well, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's bad that his, he now has a weekly apology on Twitter to the Lions fans. It's not back a great to back week, not a good he's sign. had apologies for his play. Don't we think it's uh, having Willie Sneed back is a big... A big addition for the Saints. It's a, yeah, he's he's one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league. I, I think that is a big. And this is this is the first game without Adrian Peterson, uh, which probably doesn't change their game plan. I think it's much, a positive for them, but it does at the very least remove uh, any uh, headaches or any type of like distractions for the team. That that can't hurt either. I want to see Saints. if this Saints defense is average. Like, I don't. They've had such a strange season. The fact that they're the only team that really did a great job shutting down Carolina and then they shut down Miami, but everyone shuts down Miami. Like, I, I don't know. If they're an average defense, they're going to be a, a playoff contender. This feels like a good spot for them to have another good defensive showing. And if they do, you give them credit. But then I want to see what happens when they get the Packers the week after that. And we'll see more about Tough to please. We should say goodbye. <laughs> I mean, am I going to... How much am I Constant gonna, checkpoints for Dan's approval. But what about like the Dolphins? Are we going to get that crazy that they shut down the Dolphins? No, they yeah, just need to nice be average. If Drew Brees, who, who's 38 years old, and he doesn't seem to be aging while Eli Manning and, and yep. all of that class is aging, if if he can get supported by an average defense, I mean, they'll be, they'll be in the mix this year. We should say our goodbyes in case this is it, too. One of the best defensive plays, players of the era, Haloti Nata, who mm. is on IR with an elbow injury and was off to his best start with the Lions. And they, they have a really good run defense. I wonder if that stays like mm. that. But could be a borderline Hall of Famer. Okay, let's move on. One quick aside. Mark Paul Gossler was about 19 and a half years old uh, in September. <laughs> Doesn't really change, changes everything that we would have almost, said about that scenario. Almost 20, so just barely a teen. Just, I mean, you're just still on the wrong side of you know him being a hot teen. That's what I, you know, not a big deal. This, that you're not helping yourself. Yeah, legal. Hot why, teen. why did you need to go back into that ter- that that? Well, I just wanted to make it clear that I wasn't pining to be a 14 year old or something. I'm talking. <laughs> that's basically a. It's man. still a very strange uh, pick by you. Uh, there's no way around it. We're not going to discuss it again today if we can help it. <laughs> Moving on, the Forever. New England, <laughs> the New England Patriots. Uh, you never know. It probably won't come up again, but it is on the record now. Uh, it will be used against me in the court of law. The New England Patriots uh, are three and two, which is good for first place in the AFC East. But you know who else is? In first place in the AFCs, the New York Jets, who are also 3-2. and two. And now the Pats travel to the Meadowlands. Um, the Jets actually have, if you don't count, it's a weird season, guys. If you don't count the Chiefs, the Jets have the uh, longest winning streak in the NFL right now. Who would have thought that would ever be the case? Wow. Now, Greg, I'll say this, though. 
Am I now going to say, oh, I think the Jets are going to shock the world and beat the Patriots? I don't think so. I think the Patriots are going to take care of business. But can you imagine? Can you imagine if they somehow pull it out, a nice 24-21 win, the whole world would be upside down. I I almost hope that that happens for you because, I mean, <laughs> it's just been such a tough you know, time for the New York sports fan. And now, you know, they finally got these upstart Yankees back. And uh, maybe the Jets will be <laughs> in first was... place Sunday. And how great would that be for for everyone? It would be. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, the Yankees had the yeah. big win over the Indians in game five. And the Red Sox got knocked out of the playoffs and fired their manager on the same day the Yankees won. If the Jets then beat the Patriots. Hey, watch out. Knicks versus Celtics. Maybe that goes our way. <laughs> Everything's changing. I don't know. Probably not, though. It's still a week six game, but you want to see the Patriots continue to round into form defensively. I mean, that that's the main that's thing. the test. That's the main thing I'm looking for. This this should be a passing attack that they can handle. I feel like last, it was a real turning point for them on defense last week. And I was getting killed because I still think it's going to happen. I said I thought New England will will probably finish the year with a top 10 defense after all this early season dramatics. And it's like, bro, do you even watch football? It's like, hey, would it be that crazy? It, it, it's, it's very possible. They, they have a lot of ground they, to make up They do it. They communicate. I thought the communication 10. issues were fixed last week in the secondary to some degree. You got to keep doing it. And the Jets are a nice opponent to have. Is the Jets have been okay on offense, maybe a little on the lesser side of okay. So it's a good spot for the Patriots to have another potential good defensive showing uh, before they take on the Falcons next week. Wes? I got nothing. Move on. <laughs> All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Anybody think the Jets come within a field goal? I think they they even in their trashiest forms, they've they played the Patriots well under Rex Ryan in weird games, and I think it's possible. They're opportunistic. In that Cleveland game, they stepped in and took the game away from Cleveland with the turnovers they created in their secondary. I do think the Jets are just they're well coached. They're kind of feisty. They don't they don't have much of a pass rush. They're not really great at anything. And no. so a yeah. lot of it's scheming and so maybe Todd Bowles has a great day, but I, I could see it going the other way. I, I could see the Patriots having their best game of the season. And putting it on. I like to get Rex Burkhead back. I think he's, he was going to be a bigger part of the offense. He's been out for three weeks or two weeks. And I want to give a shout they out. They got the nice long layoff from the Thursday to the, the last time they, they dropped uh, the Saints quite easily when they had that. Um, and a shout out to Jets fans because Please. they showed up and filled up that building. And now they're going to get a nice little week six game. It could be all downhill from here because the Jets have the second hardest schedule in the league uh, starting now. So this can turn ugly quick. But at least you get this game. Moving on, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, one of uh, two winless teams in the NFL, now travel to Washington uh, to face the Redskins. Another team coming off a bye. And uh, right now, Wes, or excuse me, Mark, uh, we're not going to have any Josh Norman uh, for the Redskins. That won't help. Uh, But the 49ers, they have a lot of problems, including they can't win a close game. Every week, they're losing a close game. I'm more encouraged by the 49ers. I'm not saying that they're, you know, on the doorstep, but then I am of a bunch of other teams with crappy records right now. I think they've played, they've stuck in these games. I think last week, number one, you talk about Brian Hoyer will not be the quarterback of this team next year, so it's 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 not worth belaboring too much over him. But you finally saw with Pierre Garcon and Marquis Goodwin some some progress made with the downfield passing game. I'm concerned about how, they, after watching them get fried, T.Y. Hilton and Jacoby Brissett just took care of that secondary. Now you're playing a Redskins team that took some shots. It seems like that game was ages ago, but took some shots against the Chiefs, made progress with their own passing game as well. It's going to be a tough test for San Francisco to go in and win this one. I thought 
last game was Marquise Goodwin's best game. Yeah, it finally, you finally, even in the preseason, you saw some of that. In the regular season, it was like the first time that showed up, I felt like. This is like the Kyle Shanahan, this is your life season. First, he, he goes up against McVay, or am I confused? Mc, McVay was against the Redskins, and now Kyle Shanahan against his former Redskins team. I mean, these are two coaches that are ultimately very familiar and essentially run a very similar offense to to each other. I don't know. I don't know how that works out exactly, but I haven't really seen like the this, the frisky 49ers defense this year that we kind of were expecting. DeForest Buckner is that guy, but other than that, it's, it's really not that great a defense. It's just kind of there. Um, they get Reuben Foster back, though, which is a big, a big, huge. big news for them. This is also potentially the team Kirk Cousins is on next right. season, which right. I think it's probably the odds are in, in favor of that happening the way things possibly could shake out. And also about the 49ers struggling in close games, the four straight, well, the five losses overall, but the last four games, 11 points, uh, the margin of defeat combined. That's pretty tough. That that kind of tells you maybe they're due, but we'll see. Kind of like this George Kittle guy. Oh, yeah. I do too. Yeah. I mean, George Kittle kind of took the game over. I was joking. Oh, yeah, five catches I on was, one drive? I was joking in the newsroom. And I, was, I was like, keep feeding Kittle. Kittle's going to win an NFL game on his own. And they kept doing it. I mean, I mean he was, he's had other good games this season, too. He's I mean, a keeper. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, coming off that bitterly disappointing uh, Thursday night loss to the Patriots that led to the end of Nick Folk's uh, time with the team and probably Nick's career, let's face it. That's that's kicker life. They now go to Arizona and and, and the Cardinals, let's face it, Wes. They're a total mess. Uh, they have Adrian Peterson now. Uh, do you think this is going to be a lift to their offense at all? I'm fascinated by this Adrian Peterson situation because on one hand, the Saints got rid of him. Every time he entered the game, it was a tell that the ball was going to Adrian Peterson. He can't succeed like that. Uh, they got rid of him, and then the Cardinals get a hold of him. He says he wants to play four or five more seasons. Bruce Arians says, I watched his film, and he's a violent runner who still has it. Sean Payton is talking to Steve Kime and tells him, hey, this guy still has it. You know, we've seen it. He's got what it takes. So the, everybody assumes this guy's washed up, but all the people involved in the trade are saying he's still got plenty left in the tank. There have been some runs this year in that we spoke about it a little bit on the last show where you, you, I'm not ready to say he's washed up and next gen stats put out something this week, which pointed out like he's had all his, his success from a single back formation by being the guy right, right back there. That's really not what the saints run and the Cardinals run that higher percentage than any team in the NFL. And we know he's going to get the ball because Chris Johnson wasn't even on the team. And he joined it in the first week he was on the team. Talking about putting him in a b- bad situation, they gave him the ball a ton right off the bat. So they're going to give it to Adrian Peterson. My question would be, looking at that offensive line, which has gotten Carson Palmer killed on a weekly basis, can Adrian Peterson still be a running back that regardless of the offensive line, he will thrive? Well, in the past, as he would point out, I've run behind some pretty bad some bad ones in the Minnesota. Yeah. yeah, but I think the question is, can they be better? Because they've been awful. The Cardinals—they have the worst rushing attack in the league, in the same league that the New York Giants exist in. <laughs> and, and I think the question is, DJ Humphreys and Alex Boone. If you, they're a materially different offensive line. If those two guys come back in the next couple of weeks, they—they they are, and yet. I think his ceiling is one place, and the guy on the other side of the ball who returned to the field last week 
has a chance to be one of the two or three best running backs in the entire league. Doug Martin looked awesome against the Patriots. And people are like, oh, well, wait till you see when he's not playing the Patriots. It's like, use your eyes. Watch the game. He, it doesn't matter who the opponent was. Like, his burst and the people he was making miss, he looked incredible just like he did in the preseason. And he's going up against a team that I just don't think has it. I think this is one of the worst teams in the league. In almost any situation right now, I am picking against the Arizona Cardinals. And even though I'm not quite sure about mm. the Bucks, I'm just feeling the Cardinals are heading to a long losing streak, and that's why I'm locking it up. <laughs> like it. Had my, my, I had my eye on the Bucks, so it's, that's a good lock. And that's an it. I don't a even lock. feel great about it's it. It's a little bit of integrity, that lock. That shows, again, that you are a man. Uh, I see where you're you going with this. respect the rest of us. You're saying, I'm not looking to get ahead of anybody. <laughs> I'm not looking to take shots. I'm here to make the pick that I believe in, but I'm not looking at your verbal subtweets. They don't, they're not even, they're not even reaching me. Wait a second. I don't even feel whatever terrain you're trying to fire down on me, buddy. That has not, I'd had nothing to do with you. Nonsense. I'm telling you, I had, who, who did it have to do with? It was it was cycling back <laughs> to the conversation uh-huh. that we have to be our own policemen. You just went out of your way to compliment Greg. Yeah, always happens. Solid <laughs> pick. Solid pick. Um, Mark, while we're here, I just wanted to check in uh, on your birthday. Your, your birthday was Tuesday. You took the day off. We were all curious about you shooting up that coast. I Honestly, I, 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 I cannot stress this enough. It was a low-impact day off. Did, I went out with the with the with the wife for a little bit at night. That was nice. Got I just some sushi. I want everybody to pick, here, turn this up a little bit. Picture Mark, <laughs> rented Thunderbird, shooting up the coast. <laughs> Hair. Wait, you got tossed by the wind. Wait, you don't eat fish, do you? You ever heard of like avocado Greg, I'm sushi? I'm to paint a picture yeah. here. Come on, this guy. This guy. I was here. going up the coast with I'm Mark. <laughs> Sorry, we had to get off the exit. Mark, <laughs> kill the music. Mark, tell us about sushi. Did you have sushi? I, I did, and it was it was it was not including fish, Greg. If that's your question, just, just ruined my road trip. It, let me tell you something. If I were to get in a car and f- shoot up the coast, All no right, way, bring it back. I, no way, <laughs> no possible way am I back here today. I would have come up with some excuse, like you know, I have a guy's issue, you yeah. know, no one can say anything, and then I have some sort What's of. What's a guy's issue? I don't know. What's that? Just is that like a lady's issue? I just say I have a guy's I issue. No one I, have a guy's I don't think issue. that works. I think that would raise a lot more questions. <laughs> okay, well, I have a I have a medical concern or I have a family issue. And yeah. something, something that no one can argue. I would be gone for days and days. So if you had a guy's issue that was a medical issue, yeah, it's like I'm that. thinking it's something junk related. Let's be honest. <laughs> but again, it would be used as a crutch to simply not return to work for the rest of the week. But you'd be That's telling how you your wife it. that. Huh? You're telling your wife that. She's probably going to be plugged in like, wait, what's wrong? With you know, <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm just, and I'm sorry <laughs> for interrupting car. with the sushi, but something is just it saddens me that for the birthday meal theory, the best he could do was fishless sushi, which is essentially just you know rice and vegetables. You, you put some. I could care less about a not even sushi with that. I, could care, like food, I could care less yeah, about a birthday I mean. meal. Yeah. So it's yeah. like you know that, that's just literally you have to have put it's fuel sad. in your body to keep the day going. It's not like that's some people right. are like let me let me go to my favorite pizza shop or a great restaurant. You, you it's just like give me the fuel. Need to keep going. Sustenance. It's kind of it's just sad. check the box and it's, then put me back in the car and let's go. <laughs> and let's go. Let's put the wind in our hair. All right. We're rolling. And we're going up the coast. (laughs) And you can smell the smoke in the air. There's those terrible uh, fires up there. He's he's already that far. Yeah, he's he's cruising. Wow. He's got got the cruise control set at 85. 
And he's thinking. And I have to somehow be back in L.A. in like an hour and a half. Got Sal Paradise in the passenger seat. What's what's he thinking about, Wes? Oh, he, he's, re, he's reenacting Kerouac. Kerouac. Yeah, Big Sur, up the coast. Keats. Greg can't over, get over the fact that I wasn't eating fish heads for my <laughs> for my birthday meal over here. It's, no, it's just... Yeah, but you're mourning something that like, you don't need to mourn. You, you can no, go have your luxurious meals. It's like a meals. religious person that thinks I am missing... Like, uh, I, I am basically dead or I'm, I have a hole in my life because I, I don't have God <laughs> in my life. You know, that's how much I, you know, I love food and I, I, I'm sad to see my friend. Food is your God. <laughs> Let's move on. The Los Angeles Rams. Um, they are 3-2 and two after their 16-10 loss uh, to the Seahawks in Week 5. They travel to Jacksonville now. And uh, it's funny how quickly, you know, obviously a great, great performance on defense, completely bewildering uh, Ben Roethlisberger, um, five interceptions and all that, a 39 win. Uh, but, Greg, it, it is a little, to me, people quickly forgot that the, the week before, the, the Jaguars found a way to lose against the Jets in a game they had no business losing, and they still have the same issues at quarterback. Am I... Am I late getting onto this bandwagon? I still don't believe in the Jags. No, I don't think so. They're the most uneven team in the NFL week to week. That's been proven out. They're still looking for their first win in Jacksonville. This might only be their second game in Jacksonville. And this is the game I'm most intrigued by of the entire week. It's it's a little bit of the, we're totally different than last year. We're the new kind of 2017, which which buzzy team, and I believe it'll be the team of ATL, is going to have a little more staying power, great offense versus defense matchup. Uh, I think you're right to doubt the Jaguars, and I know everyone is overreacting to one week. I, nobody was talking about the Jags as some great team when the Jets were beating them. Right. But, you know, this is the first time they've been in first place after five weeks since 1998. Almost 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And their first, this is the latest they've been above 500 since 2010. So it's, and they've been, got, it's they, been a dark period. I, here's what I'd point to, though. Like, they do the things that I don't doubt. Leonard Fournette, everyone knew they was going to him over and over last week. They ran the ball 18 times to close the game. And most of his production came in that that rough period of the game for the Steelers. He ran right over. I mean, he's he's a powerful Incredible runner to watch. And Chris Ivory being the backup and running really well in that spot, he has played a big role. He picked up a lot of the key first downs last week yeah. that kept drives going. And and I feel remiss that we haven't talked about my favorite play of the year, which to me kind of shows how Leonard Fournette is oh, different, I know how, how this Jaguars team's got a little bit of a sizzle to them. The fact that Leonard Fournette gets to the outside and he sees – Steelers safety, Mike Mitchell coming, who he had already run over once in the game and they had judged, and he waves at him, come here. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen that in the NFL. That's an amazing and, thing, and that fires up your teammate. And a couple of things to that. First of all, that was during a stretch. Uh, call, again, shout out to Doug Marone, who said something before the season started and stuck, stuck to it. This is a running and defense team exclusively. That was part of a field goal drive where they ran the ball just 12 straight times. Non-stop. With Leonard Fournette and Chris Ivory, who also looks pretty good this year, and they got a field goal. And the other thing is Mike Mitchell did a nice job there. He took him on, didn't shy away, got the tackle. Mike Mitchell, though, was he was, and understandably so, who does that? He jumped up, and he was, like, celebrating, going nuts, and it was like... Did that just happen? Did I was, it was amazing. <laughs> well, they had the, you could tell early in the game, Fournette essentially ran Mitchell over, uh, and you know they and they started jawing at that point. So they they, they they he had his eyes like he looks for contact. He wants to punish defense. Well, and when Doug Marone said that, people laughed at him. But he re, these were his words: "I want to go back to the old way. I want to change the game." 
everyone knows what they're doing on offense, play after play, and somehow it's working. Um, Wes, you uh, tweeted the defense. earlier this week because, um, you know, a lot of questions are being be- asked of Ben Roethlisberger now who's having a bad year. There's no way around it and a really bad Sunday specifically. Um, you didn't see a guy that was totally lost at sea when you watched the tape. No, I, I thought this was the biggest overreaction game of the week. The Steelers were up by 100 yards and holding Leonard Fournette under three yards per carry at the end of the third quarter. And then the wheels just came off of Ben. I, I just think Ben's performance was mostly bad luck and, you know, testing an outstanding. The Jaguars' pass defense, 56.9. Only three teams in history have ever had a lower pass defense or a passer rating. And one, and all three won the Super Bowl. Well, they, there's an incredible stat. The quarterbacks, if you wanted to face A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey, you'd have a higher percentage against them by spiking the ball on every play. Jared, Jared Goff started off the season great, but he is playing a really tough stretch of defenses. And we saw last week that they didn't light it up quite as much. But I liked a lot of what I saw from Jared Goff last week when I when I went back to, to rewatch that. Like, I, I think... He has shown a lot of progress, and I think he can. I think he can still move the ball against a defense like Jacksonville, and I like them this week. So let's move on and talk about the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, who now travel to Kansas City, uh, Mark. And uh, you know this is quite a test for this team. They're kind of at the crossroads right now, trying to figure out. Um, you know, after a preseason in which they're hyped up as a, a definite challenger to the Patriots' throne, they're three and two, still in first place, tied for first, but coming off that game, a very difficult loss against the Jaguars. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts about this one? Three and two in a division, they absolutely could win. The AFC North is not what it has been in recent years, right now, I don't think. And my question with Pittsburgh, because yeah, it's like we are having to look at them a little differently. I like a lot of elements of their defense. But in a game like this, Kansas City has poured on points all year. Do we trust Pittsburgh to kind of finally get it all together and win a shootout? I, I don't know about that, especially they're talking about Martavis Bryant essentially having sort of a lower role this week. It's just uh, something seems out of sync with this with this attack. They're sort of the team of the week as far as what this represents as a test. And everybody talking about Big Ben's postgame comments and is he washed up? Uh, and there do appear to be some some whispers around the league about their locker room, uh, specifically between Ben and Antonio Brown. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, the controversy surrounding his postgame, not controversy, but everybody making a big deal, if, if that locker room comes together this week or not. Yeah. And, and Travis Kelsey's status, as we tape this, is not for sure, but he did practice fully on Thursday, which would indicate that he will get cleared, although it's a concussion. So Because if, they're missing Travis Kelsey. They're just not the same team. They, they just lost Chris Conley. Not that he's like the biggest part of their offense, but that's losing two key pieces and Kelsey being being the, the key piece. They're a star-driven team. Right. Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Justin Houston, and Marcus Peters are really important to them. And Justin Houston hasn't practiced yet this week. Although the, the, the second we doubt Alex Smith a little more, he just comes out and that was his best game of the season last week. I mean, we used to make fun of him throwing short of the sticks. Now they're suddenly the best team in the league on third and long. Third and long is like, okay, now it's Alex Smith time. Let's let's compete. He did do that when we made fun of him. He did do that. Like he, he's fundamentally, he's being used differently this year and he's succeeding. Right. No, I'm not. Yeah, I agree. It's just crazy that that it's crazy that it's Alex Smith. I, I don't want this to be an indictment of of the chiefs because I think they're an excellent team and I think they're going to be in the mix deep into January. Uh, But, I don't. 
I am not counting out Ben Roethlisberger. I think the Tomlin-Roethlisberger era, there's been uh, blips along the way, and they always seem to come back. And to me, this looks like the type of game where the Steelers get right and deliver a big performance and win a game. In fact, and you got to be a man of principle. you got to be a man. You hold yourself to your own code, and that's why I'm locking up the black and yellow. Wow. I, I respect this pick. Thank you, Wes. Just well, it was just January that basically the same personnel on the field for the Steelers went in and and beat the Chiefs. That's right. It's even twice last year. It's even though I'm sure in Kansas City it's getting played up a lot as as the playoff rematch. I mean, this is a I think a big game in Alex Smith's head in some way. Not that I think he was the reason they lost that game totally, but that was sort of the game that made them draft Patrick Mahomes. Like, like, hey, you can't beat the big boys. You're at home. This is a big game for Alex. Um, I love that. You picked the, the Steelers to beat the undefeated team. I kinda I'm like, hanging some onion. I, I ain't with, afraid to hang onion. I'm with you. I like that. Moving on, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers um, are uh, one and four. They finally got that win against the Giants, and now they travel uh, to face the Raiders, who are on a three-game losing streak. They hope to have their quarterback, Derek Carr, back as of taping. We're taping this on Thursday afternoon. It looks like he's trending that way, but not a given. Wes, your thoughts? Well, I mean, if, if Young Wei Koo makes two kicks, the Chargers aren't even seen as an underdog in this game. Mm. I think that there's a better team right now because I am not impressed with how the Raiders are playing at all. I that's an interesting interesting take because to me the Raiders look like a broken team. Right, right? it's, it's awful. more about the Raiders looking poor than in your mind than the Chargers looking good because they they didn't really do a lot to to impress against the Giants in that game either. The Chargers' problem is their run defense. I could get behind almost everything else with this team. If you told me, you know, you got Mike Williams, the rookie, coming in this week, and, they're, you know, they're starting to use Hunter Henry Moore and Weed Antonio Gates out, and that's helping the offense. Melvin Gordon's coming off his best week of the year. I, I could be convinced that the Chargers' offense is about to take off. I mean, is any team having going in what we thought they'd be and what they are, that a worse season than the Raiders? I mean, Amari Cooper's vanished. There's whispers that there's issues potentially between the owner and the head coach right now that, you know, his job has been questioned at one point. That seems crazy to me after what happened last season. And the contract that he got. The contract Marshawn Lynch has brought in. It's it's a nice off-season narrative. I think Marshawn Lynch has ran well in places, but their ground game is is suspect. Their defense is suspect. I don't know. There, there's Yeah, their defense. There's no reason in particular to expect them to do anything in their back seven. Their linebackers, their their secondary all struggles. But River, Philip Rivers has not shown right now that he's uh, able to take advantage of bad defense. They are missing layups all the time. They're having delays of game. It's just it hasn't been the Chargers offense. One more note on that game, boys. Um, the wildfires uh, that have really scorched the Bay Area have it's led to some issues about whether the game would be playable on Sunday. The air quality in Northern California has reached unhealthy levels due to the fires. Um, they are monitoring the situation. The league spokesman said at this point, the game remains scheduled for Sunday in Oakland could change. Uh, but as of now, still on. Let's Ian move. Rappaport reported that yes. Levi stadium is an option. Hubba hubba. Moving on. The New York giants don't have a win. Don't have any wide receivers. Don't really have any hope right now. That's the situation. Don't have any, well, dysfunction. They have plenty of dysfunction. Uh, Dominic Rogers cromartie uh, left the team uh, on uh, Wednesday. 
and was suspended indefinitely. Um, whole whole thing going on right now. And now the, to top it off, Big Blue has to travel to Denver to face the three and one Broncos. Uh, Greg, I want to I want to go out on a limb here and say that no team is in bigger trouble in Week Six than these New York Giants. I think that's true, and it's partly because they are missing Dominique Rogers Comardi, a story that really fascinates me and gets to what happens sometimes maybe on an 0-5 team, and it shouldn't be lost. He's now suspended by the team. It shouldn't be lost that he is one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. And so this is a defense that slipped under the radar a bit because of Eli Manning and the receivers. But the New York Giants defense is one of the most disappointing units on either side of the ball in the entire NFL. They really don't have a pass rush right now. Teams are running through them. This is what they were supposed to be built on, and and without DRC, I think they're going to take another a big shot. Trade him, yeah. Get get old Steve Kime on the horn since he's trading already with Kime Bomb. Get Kime Bomb on tick tick boom. Kime Bomb hmm. used to be the director of player personnel for the Cardinals when Dominique Rogers Cromartie was drafted by the Cardinals. So you figure he probably likes him anyway. I, he he was a guy who threatened retirement a couple Super Bowls ago. If you're not familiar with the story, I mean. I'm amazed he was taken off the field last week and no one reported, no one knew anything about it. This is a, a starting player that was basically taken off the field. Then he shows up to the facility. He leaves the facility. It's just like McAdoo's losing control. Subtweeting the Giants beat writers. Do your job, says Rosenthal. Um, and yeah, McAdoo, it is all coming down now. It's falling down around him. If it feels familiar... Uh, it's because this this does happen every couple of years. A, a team gets off to a terrible start, and then teams can go one of two ways. They could stay together and, and forge on, or things can really collapse. And the Giants don't get any um, any example or excuses, uh, but losing both Odell Beckham, Brandon Marshall, Sterling Sharp, uh, Shepard, and uh, who else? Who else got hurt? Dwayne Harris. Dwayne Harris. Yeah, you get. It, you have no receiving. But all in one game is almost unheard of, and they just. It, you imagine now they're going into the Rocky Mountain Avalanche. I would be stunned if they scored double digits in this. Game. I don't know if there was a team more reliant. Certainly not last year, and part of this year, more reliant on their wide receivers. It's the only way they produce yardage and points. Now you have to go face easily the best run defense in the league with a run game that barely exists. Mm. Yeah, I like that we're now just accepting the Rocky Mountain Avalanche. <laughs> I try to sneak that one in there. <laughs> and, I don't know. I mean, it's up. It's not happening. Hey, there is another in, very prominent team in Denver with the Avalanche as their nickname. So it's a little hazy, but prominent. Let's come down with that. It's a hockey team. I like this Broncos team. In in theory, this should be a, a rival. Uh, it has been a rival and a thorn in the Patriots' side over the last decade. But I love watching this team, and I, I think this is a team to watch as a potential Super Bowl team. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, finally, let's talk about the Monday night football game between the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, as of this taping, Marcus Mariota, I think they're hopeful that he's going to play. It's not a, a done deal, and you really – Really, Mark, hope that's the case because we don't want another week of Matt Castle around, dude. We can't take it. We won't take it. So this has to well, go we our will. way. Well, that's the Well, plan. what are you going to do about it? I will simply not only not cover this game on its actual game day. I won't be here anyways, but yeah, I won't watch it, it and I will never watch it if he plays. I okay. will never observe a second of it. I don't blame you. Be a pro, bro. 
Well, that's what pros do. I don't accept that 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 level. Very of play. DRC of you. Forget Matt Castle, <laughs> Kobe Brissett. I understand Andrew Luck's coming back, and Andrew Luck is a far superior product potentially. He is, but Jacoby Brissett, I would love to see. I love. I would love to see him as like an all-time QB that can be shipped around the league <laughs> week to week and fill in for some of these <laughs> Matt Castle-like like teams. Jacoby Brissett should not be on the bench. He's too fun to watch. The league needs fun quarterbacks. We don't need him buried behind Andrew Luck. Move him around. Change the it, rules. It's kind of like when you're playing football and you have an odd number. He's just the quarterback. He's the all-time for- QB. Steady, steady quarterback. Yep. Week to week, he goes wherever he's needed the most. It's a can- great idea. Yeah. He's having a nice season, but do I, do I need – Jake Brisket in my life uh, I all do. times for the rest of his career. I don't well, know. Wouldn't you rather have Matt Castle? No, I don't want that. I like your thinking a lot. That's not going to work. Well, that last. What, what if? What, why don't we take it a step further? Take Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay because they've had oh. enough great quarterbacks. Agreed. And just ship him around. We get to see him in all different markets. Everyone all gets right. a taste. And Aaron Rodgers becomes the. You know, I remember in like growing up, there'd be, oh, I'm automatic quarterback. He's automatic quarterback for the NFL. What were we just talking about? That's 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 very similar to the point we raised, but, but with, you, and you hammered it home. But the real quarterback, yeah. uh, Jake Briscoe, let's calm down. <laughs> Jake Briscoe. Functional. Ooh, slides me off a piece of that. I can like Randall Cunningham in 1991 or something. Well, I, I, I think, think he's, he's honestly fun to watch. week, yeah, Last week made me think a little differently about old Jake. For the first time, I, I mean, that was until the interception late in the game. I think it was one of the best games any quarterbacks played all season. Let's calm down. He's throwing 60 yards down the field across his body. He basically played a perfect game. He's picking up scrambles on third and five. He was perfect. What more do you want, Wes, than a couple 60-yard bombs on the money? He's aggressive. And, and Mark Paul Gossler's body. What else could you want? I mean, I... <laughs> I think I would take several of Aaron Rodgers' games over that. Several of Tom Brady's. They they got to get Marlon Mack. Uh, I know you sounded this drum <laughs> last week. I think that they're going to now start giving Marlon Mack the ball a little more. It's uh, time to pick him up. Hey, Greg. He's a he's a space only back though. I think uh, he wants to bounce everything outside. He has the speed to do it. But I I think he's one of those guys going to be a lot better indoors for Indianapolis yeah. than outdoors on grass. Very fair. fair. Very fair. Okay. There you go. There you have it. Lindsay, how was your first show behind the glass? It was awesome. It was everything I hoped and dreamed. <laughs> wow. I feel strong. Well Sarcasm. Done. I feel like. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm serious. Oh, okay. That's oh, well, we're very happy to have you here. <laughs> Sit down, Wes. Um, <laughs> the next time you hear from us, uh, it will be Sunday night, our flagship program. Don't forget about NFL Pick'em, uh, which airs on Saturday and Sunday, multiple times Saturday. Uh, also Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, leading into game day morning. So check out uh, your local listings for exact times. But just at this point. Three times a day. Yeah. 9, 2, TBR. and 11 on the East Coast. Uh, we have some fun with that. So uh, um, good stuff today. And uh, that's it. Let's Great. go. Stan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss, Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. <laughs> There's no garbage can. Gotta workshop something there. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 